0: Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, a podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm Ryan Reed. And I'm John Martin. And we're here today to present to you a podcast that we hope to be like your favorite buddy cop movie. This is Starsky and Hutch meets (laughs) the Star of Bethlehem. That's terrible. This is School of Rock meets the rock that Jesus builds his church on. And this is the Imperfect Church Podcast. Uh, John, I'm a big fan of podcasts. Yeah, me too, man. listen to lots of them. Uh, and that's the reason why we got together, because none of our other friends like podcasts like <laughs> we like podcasts. Exactly. I often asked the question, how do you listen to these things? Two times speed. Exactly. Two times exactly. speed. Exactly. Uh, so we just wanted to uh, set forth a podcast that is a podcast that we like to listen to. Uh, we are both uh, church pastors, small church pastors, rural, rural, I can't say that that's word, right. church pastors, and so uh, we believe that the church... Uh is imperfect. Yeah, absolutely.
1: We see it every day, but we also it grew up in imperfect churches, right? That's
0: right, absolutely. I uh I'll let you go ahead and you can okay. go ahead and give us our imperfect church testimony. <laughs> All right. Uh you know, I, I grew up Southern Baptist
1: to the core, you know, in the local church. My parents Believed in the local church and, uh, I, I, of course was a royal ambassador. I did Bible oh, drills. Yeah. yeah. All that good you stuff. Have Sunday school pins, Sunday school pins yeah. to the floor. That's it. Do you know what I'm talking about? So, um, but also that, that church was imperfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember one time in particular, and this is uh, not a recommendation, but my parents uh, had me in, in business meeting one Wednesday night and uh, the church was, Fussing over something. I don't even remember what they were fussing and fighting over, but it was quite contentious. And my uncle stood up and said, you people walk around like you've been baptized in deal pickle juice. <laughs> that's great. In the middle of the, I mean, in the middle of the business meeting, sour, you know, sometimes that's the way church people that's are. Right. They're right. sour. But, you know, even in the imperfection, the pastors weren't perfect. The people weren't perfect. Um, God still used that church to to call me into the ministry. Absolutely, help right? help helped form me and um, and my ministry. And so, you know, I look back on those experiences and other church experiences too. I think the the realization that they're not perfect. We're all fallen and, uh, and yet we do good work for the gospel.
0: That's right. right? Absolutely. You know, God can use crooked sticks to make straight hits. Absolutely. Uh, and we believe that one day the church will be perfect. Yeah, sure. And so that sure. is our, our goal as, um, uh, men who are called to the gospel ministry, uh, we have devoted our life so far to the local church because we believe that one day she will be washed by the water of the word and presented before her bridegroom without any spot or any blemish. Yeah, absolutely. So, what about you? you grew well, up in an imperfect church. I grew up in an imperfect church. Uh, I did. uh We moved from around the Memphis area out to another place in Tennessee. Uh, when I was five, we started coming to a church and this imperfect church uh, welcomed my family and I. And, uh, uh, through that, I heard the gospel. I was saved. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt called to the ministry as a senior in high school in this imperfect church. And, uh, you talk about business meetings. We called those WWF wrestling <laughs> matches. Yes. yes, F, not E, because that's, uh, that's what we did there in the day. <laughs> so, um, you know, I grew up in an imperfect church and uh, I got in fights at the imperfect church. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, like physical physical you fights out. you know uh, we played football outside of the imperfect church and sometimes <laughs> they get a little bit of heated uh, uh we w- it was it was life church was life yeah. and uh you know through that i came to love that church yeah. and with uh, even its its imperfections i knew that there are men and women in that church that were wise and that loved the lord and that um that had had, had genuine intentions to see the gospel go forth yeah and i think that's important too
1: to recognize that i mean even though we talk about our personal experiences of of being in imperfect churches, it was their intent to lead people closer to the Lord. Absolutely. I mean, that's their intent. And I, I, even our churches that we pastor now, there are some difficult times maybe and some imperfections that we deal with, but generally speaking, the intent is to see people grow in the gospel.
0: So you're telling me that you pastor
1: an imperfect church? <laughs> I do. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, it's still beautiful though. That's right. right. Absolutely. Uh, how long have you been at your church? I've been in my church almost nine years, so uh, going on nine years, just a couple months that's shy right. of that. So uh,
0: basically, um, an expert. That's why we have yeah. you on the podcast. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I am an expert. So I have been at my church uh, for four years. So I yeah. am not an expert. <laughs> so hopefully, in this podcast, you can teach me what, all of what your. What year ways. do you become an expert? Um That's a good question. <laughs> I think we might have to ask some uh, other somebody else. Here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think about
1: uh, just I just think about the words of Solomon. You know, to to his bride, and uh, we know that the 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 bride that he was speaking to was not perfect, right? I mm-hmm. mean, she was not perfect, but yet when he looked at her, he saw perfection. That's right. Um, he, you are the most beautiful thing ever, right? And so, I mean, I look into my church. I know it's not perfect, um, but uh, I try to look at it the same way Jesus looks at it mm-hmm. as redeemed redeemed souls, right? That's right. And That's right. Uh,
0: so, it, it is a it's certainly a beautiful thing. Hmm. Well, we're going to come up on our, uh, our, uh, hopefully a continuing segment here where yeah. every, uh, every podcast we want to, we want to bring up a, um, uh, an old quote that we believe is relevant for ministry, uh, dead man talking. And, uh, <laughs> let me go ahead and say that not all these people will be dead, but how can you <laughs> pass up such a catchy name like that? There you go. So our first segment of dead man talking is, Uh, Kind of the quote that we get our podcast name from. It's a quote by a man you've probably never heard of him. Pretty obscure. uh, Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. uh, old, Old Chuck Spurgeon. He said, If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it. For it would not have been a perfect church after I became a member of it. Still imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Uh, I think that summarizes uh, pretty well. I tell my church all the time: our church is not perfect. Yeah. Uh, And if you do find that perfect church, you will ruin it because you're not perfect. Absolutely. Uh, And isn't that the gospel message? Yeah, for sure it is. Uh, I love that quote. Uh, That it is the
1: gospel. We're coming in as unclean sinners in need, in need of a savior, and uh, all of us come in on equal ground at the cross. Right. Mm -hmm. We're all at the same place, and uh, even the pastor. And shame on, shame on us if we, uh, if we think we're any greater than any other sinners in our, in our pews, uh, because we ruin it just as quickly
0: as they do. Absolutely. You know, the, the door to heaven, you have to stoop to get in. Yeah. There's some humility there that must take place. Uh, and I think that's important for pastors to remember. Yeah. Um, we, we expect a lot of our people and I think that's good. We need to, we need to expect what the Bible expects. Uh, but we also need to remember that we, we are working Uh, We, we are shepherds of a flock and sometimes the sheep do dumb things. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we get sheep that are, uh, you know, that are crippled. Sometimes we have sheep that we have to chase after. Sometimes we have, uh, sheep that we have to hit over the head. Right, right. Don't you think this is, this is part of some of the,
1: the troubles that we see in some pastors now? We'll use the term that they, they fall, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's because we forget this needed humility. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we forget that we are just as imperfect as the people that we lead so maybe we we stop setting up those parameters mm-hmm. that we need for yeah. accountability in our lives and uh you know some of those other things that are so necessary for all believers
0: mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes pastors don't practice yeah i think i think there's some truth to that uh, i mean we we got to remember that if if it weren't for grace there there we go that's us right there that's uh, us plunging into the deep end uh what was it recently um uh, Someone did a study of fallen pastors, and one of the common characteristics was uh, they all said, "This will never happen to me." Yeah, uh, and I think, man, that's that's exactly where Satan wants us. Satan wants us to believe our own hype. Yeah, absolutely. So we have to constantly be
1: reminded that that we as leaders are the imperfect, uh just as those that we're leading.
0: Absolutely, so,
1: and it's amazing, Charles Spurgeon, who all of us look up to, regardless of your theological leanings. Uh, you, uh, you of course respect Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, and, and even he himself recognized that, uh, that he was imperfect.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, we spent a lot of time uh, talking about this first part of this quote, but I think this quote really, um, really packs a punch with that second line, right? But it's, even though it's imperfect, impor- it is the dearest place on earth. Yeah, man. That's what, that, that To be reminded how
1: beautiful that the bride is, I think is something Mm -hmm. we need to, we need to constantly do in our lives. But even if it's not beautiful to us after we leave a Wednesday night Mm -hmm. business meeting, or it's not beautiful to us on Sunday morning, even maybe. It's always
0: beautiful to cross. Yeah, I think uh, here you go. Here's your million dollar word. I think we as pastors need to have an eschatological <laughs> goggles that we put on when we look at the church. Yeah, we, we got to see it as Jesus sees it. That's One day absolutely. it
1: will be perfect. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
0: And you know that doesn't uh, that doesn't make us lazy to say, well, we can sit back and now the church will be perfect when Jesus comes back. That, that's a call for us to join Him in making the church perfect. Yeah, certainly it should be a motivation. That's right, motivation
1: that's right. to press forward. That's that's good. Thanks, Charles Spurgeon. Charles, uh, you dog, you. <laughs> so Spurgeon alludes to the fact that the church is beautiful. Why do you believe that that's true?
0: Yeah, you know, we've I think we've hinted around this. We, we've jumped around it, but I think the church is perfect uh, solely because of the of of the one who places value on her. Mm. Uh, the church gets its value from God. God values the church, and if God values the church so much so to call it His bride, to yeah. shed His blood for her. Uh, to to promise to keep and to guard her uh i think that shows uh, the the value of it if god values it certainly we ought to value it
1: yeah what does that what does that look like you think for us as pastors to recognize to recognize the value that's been placed on the church by christ what what are the implications of that for for a pastor ah man i
0: think the the implications of it is is seeing the the dignity and the beauty of our our church members mm, mm. Uh, you know I, I see the beauty of the church uh, in the hospital room when the family gathers around yeah. and uh, and there's a a sadness there but we aren't weeping as if we have no hope right 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 um, i i see the the beauty of the church when uh, church members fly across country to get back to be around these families mm-hmm. uh, you know i see the beauty of the church when we gather for our fellowship meals and our potlucks and we're scattered abroad and mm. Yeah. Uh, these people that are not on the same socioeconomic standing—they're not they, the only—the only thing they have in common is that they are believers mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. love each other and mm-hmm. they care for each other. Yeah, uh, that's where it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, I, I think too. I think we need to keep that in
1: our minds as we're doing our work, our calling, mm-hmm. right, our service. Right. I have a friend who doesn't like for me to call what I do work. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll call it service. Does he? Does he do the same work? <laughs> no, does he? he doesn't. Oh, that's so, why. You know? Yeah. So you know. I think we, if we see the beauty that Christ has placed on the church, it, it ought to press us to serve her well, mm-hmm. right? right? So, to so to serve the church well, there's no there's no time to lay back, mm-hmm. right? I mean no. there's there's uh, there's only time to to serve her well, to do uh, the best job that we can do mm-hmm. for the Church of Jesus Christ, and uh, you know we all know there are some guys that kind of like to lay back. You know, preach a Sunday Sunday morning sermon and uh, take it easy and do podcasts
0: during the that's week. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And, and that's you know that's my natural that's right, inclination. Yeah. I just sit back. You yeah. Know? So
1: I think uh, I think it ought to motivate us to work hard for. Her. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I I love my wife, and so I want to do the best I can for my wife.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. And so I think the same is true for the church. If we we say we love the church, we ought to want to do the best we can for the church, and not only for pastors. But we ought to encourage our people to do that too. Yeah. You know why? Do, why do we have to be a part of the church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Well, because it's beautiful, right? And you appreciate it, right? And love it. And
0: and you know, for me, for the longest time, I feel like uh, when someone says, "Well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian," um, yeah. You know, our response has been, "Yeah, but but the author of Hebrews says, <laughs> yeah, exactly. don't forsake the coming together of yeah. the saints." There is that one verse. Uh, there's that one verse, right? Uh, but I think I think we can have a more comprehensive. More biblically theological sound reason why we should love the church and be there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think, I I think your commitment to the church is a reflection of your understanding of its beauty. That's right. Right. So, and, and, and likewise, the commitment to my wife is mine, is a reflection of my understanding of our commitment to marriage. And That's right.
0: How, how what I think about her. And, and you know, it's uh, you know, to borrow a little bit from from uh, Jonathan Edwards, you know, he he speaks of what is true virtue, what is true beauty, and he roots all these things that we call beautiful that have beauty because they come from God. Right. Uh, and so, true. why do we why do we see the beauty in the church? We see the beauty in the church. Insofar as she reflects the beauty of Jesus himself. Right,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, I mean, I think for us as pastors, there's a lesson for us inside that. And also as we lead our people, there's a lesson inside of that. We love, I love the church because Jesus loves the church. Mm-hmm. And then that motivates me to do work for the
0: church. That's right, to that's serve right. her well, right? Because ultimately I'm not, I'm not, I'm not serving ultimately. I'm not serving the grump in the third pew that yeah. has given me this the hour look. He's been baptized in Dale Pickles, right? I'm not serving <laughs> exactly. him. Uh, I am serving him, but ultimately I am serving him because I love Jesus. Absolutely right. And, and i going back to your, when you're talking
1: about shepherding and in that hospital room and, and around those families when their loved ones are passing away, when we begin to see our work, as a service unto the lord mm-hmm. and his bride yeah. rather than to that individual
0: person mm-hmm. it becomes sweeter to me oh yeah guys. absolutely yeah uh, that's yeah i think you uh, you hit the uh, nail on the head there uh, so in your opinion what do you think the church is doing well uh, maybe not just your local church but maybe even the church globally what do you what do you feel like the church is doing well yeah i th- i think that there's a there's a
1: renewed emphasis on community inside the church. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for us, we're in rural areas, so we don't, maybe not see it played out in the same way. You know, some of your metropolitan churches are going to call them life groups or community groups mm-hmm. where they're meeting yeah. in people's homes. Yeah. At and a, you got to do it if you're going to be successful. <laughs> that, that's right. So You got to call it what they call it. That's right. So they're doing these things in the homes of church members, right? Mm-hmm. And they're doing <clears> it... To facilitate community—that's mm-hmm. yeah. that's the motivation. Yeah, absolutely. It. And I, I think that uh, we maybe not see don't see it played out the same way, but I think we we're beginning to see the church understand the need for each other mm-hmm. maybe more so than we have in the past.
0: Yeah, and maybe that's a, a product of um, the church in exile that we see. Yeah, uh, with, with with American society being pushed more toward the edge of the society it gives us that. A uh, feeling of, of exiles again, and we need yeah. each other.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, this, the book, the Benedict option, um, kind of, kind of points to that. Mm-hmm. When you, when you realize you're being pressed out, yeah. you begin to appreciate one another. That's anymore. right. Look for allies. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I think the church is, is doing that well. And this displays the beauty, the beauty of the church. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Christ says, you know, they're going to know your mind. Because of your love for one another, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, so this just helps us understand the beauty of the church even more. Yeah, so that's
0: one thing. What, what is something you think that we're well? Doing just well? to piggyback on that, you know, I think about uh, this movement of hey, we've got to get our churches outside the church door and get them meeting at each other's houses, and and I think there's some some good in that. We we see the studies that churches that are facilitating community are growing. Yeah, uh, but you know, I think. Our churches are, are are willing to do that more than we realize, or, or maybe I, maybe it's just my church. Uh, but you know, I think a, a few a few months ago we had a, a church member, a faithful church member her whole life. Uh, and she came down with, with cancer and chose not to treat it. And Mm. she knew her time was, was limited and she got to where she couldn't come to church. And so her senior adult Sunday school class said, well, if she can't come to Sunday school, we'll go to her house for Sunday school. Yeah. Yeah. And so my wife and I (laughs) went with them and and we had Sunday school in her living room. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, you think about that, our most progressive Sunday school unit (laughs) was our senior adult Sunday school class. Right. Uh, and and, you know, I think our people love each other. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And part of it is trying to foster that love, not just for like-minded people who grew up with one another, right? Uh, but people in and in, in other generations, bringing that multi-generational community there. Uh, I think that is is really the key to to church growth. Really, is is connecting those two people.
1: Yeah, because people are about relationships, right? Everybody yeah. wants to be. Connected to other people. That's right. Regardless of what they may say, on no the man's an island. That's right. Everybody wants relationships, and Christ has so, so ordained it that His church is made up of relationships. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it is. Well, He so, is made up of relationships. That's exactly right. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think us fostering those relationships is an important is an important thing, and I think we're seeing a, a a revival. I'll use that word of of that mm-hmm. understanding that we need each other. And appreciating the community that we have uh, with one another inside the bride of Christ. So, and, and you know, I think it's good to ask this question. What do you think the church is doing well? Because if, if you're not careful, especially if you're a pastor mm-hmm. and you only run in pastor circles, all you will hear is negative things about yeah. the church. Mm-hmm. So all you'll hear is how terrible the deacons are or mm-hmm. how terrible those Sunday school classes mm-hmm. are and you know and all this stuff and yeah. if you're not if you're not careful you become focused on something about the church that's
0: not true that's right that's you, you right.
1: the ugliness of the church well there is no such thing that's right yeah the I, church is beautiful you
0: know and that's a uh, I, I think what we joke about uh, you know we make jokes of it but there's some truth to our jokings and so yeah you know, there's there's three jokes that that I've kind of I like to be funny you know I like funny things you know but there are three jokes that I I've, I've just said I'm staying away from these yeah and, and one of those is is I'm not going to joke about having bad deacons I've got yeah. fantastic men around me and I, I'm yeah. not going to slight that two uh, let me guess two what how much you're getting paid I uh, actually no I'm not touching that one. Uh- <laughs> uh, no, two, uh, two pastors' kids. I don't wanna, uh, I don't yeah, wanna keep yeah. making jokes about how awful my son's gonna be. I don't wanna <laughs> be a self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah, right? Yeah, it's the deacon's uh, son's fault. That's right, yeah, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do that. Yeah. And then third, one thing is I don't, I don't wanna joke about, uh, sliding the preached word. You know, we, yeah. you know, I think that's a, that's a common joke in our circles of the, the we're gonna joke about the long-winded pastor and no, uh, you know, I'm gonna joke no. about the boring pastor and, and I think it's not so much about the pastor because uh, if it's me, I may get long winded. I may get boring. That's not the point. The point of it is uh, the value of the preached word is yeah, the word. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think
1: we have to be careful that we don't we don't live inside of those those negative understandings of the church because mm-hmm. it is a beautiful thing. And so, I honestly, I could talk for days. Maybe not necessarily about what First Baptist Church that I pastor is doing well, but See how just, you dropped
0: that First Baptist in there. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. But just the general. In general, I think we're doing a lot of things well. I mean, we just got back from the Southern Baptist Convention, and so we saw some things that were done really well. Yeah. Now, we could do a podcast for hours on all of the negative things that people think happened at the convention. Absolutely. People didn't stand up for the national anthem. Where, wherever that came from, who knows? It's not true, right? I mean, I, mean, I was <laughs> kneeling. But. <laughs> right. But, but there's so much good that came from it too, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Uh, and, and the convention I know is not a church. Right. It's a convention of churches. That's right. But it just, it just goes back to the point. We need to, we need to be talking about the beauty of the bride of Mm -hmm. Christ because that is uh, something we cannot forget. And I think it's contrary to Christ to speak that way towards
0: his church. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it goes back to, I I believe it was Carl Henry. And and if it was good, I hope there's a Carl Henry quote (laughs) on every podcast from here on out. (laughs) Uh, But I think he said, you know, uh, that the, the early church didn't say, this could be a completely wrong quote. Yeah. This could be so sorry, John, if it is. <laughs> uh but I believe Carl Henry said that uh the early church didn't say what has come, uh what is coming to the world. Yeah. Uh what is the world coming to? Instead they said look who's come into the world. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, and I yeah. think that's a a big change of perspective. You know, for a long time the church I grew up in, we we talked a lot about what we were again. Yeah. We sure. were again it, you know. We, yeah. we 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 talked a lot about what we were against. Uh, and we forgot what we were for, yeah, absolutely, and so I think uh, for us as pastors I man we gotta we gotta set forth the beauty of the gospel, the mm-hmm. beauty of the church, the mm-hmm. beauty of Christ, and his mm-hmm. excellencies, uh and then from that, go from there, you know, yeah, build that up, and then move out, yeah, excellent, that's a good word, so you All mentioned
1: right. carl henry carl yeah. f henry carl f h henry. F. h. Henry, that's right. So, uh, are you reading something by Carl
0: F. H. Henry these days? I'm always reading something <laughs> by. No, um, yeah. So that brings us to our next point. Uh, we believe that readers are leaders. It's hard to pastor well if you're not if you're not reading, yeah. if you're not learning. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, uh, John, what are you reading right now? Well, I read several at a time.
1: I can't do that. uh, Yeah. So I'm, I'm into eschatological discipleship. There you go. Trevin Wax. Uh, Just barely into it, but, uh, basically good, good stuff so far. And, uh, I also am reading uh, the sovereignty of God and evangelism. Is that the name of it? Evangelism and sovereignty evangelism of God. Evangelism and sovereignty of God. Yeah. I don't, I haven't read the title. Yeah. The, you haven't the read the title page. yet. So yeah, that's, <laughs> <me>. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and also, of course, we're reading together John Patton's autobiography. Well, yeah. I'm reading it. I don't <laughs> know if you have started. We yet. are reading it together. <laughs> <laughs> John Patton's autobiography is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is, uh, it is, it's wonderful and it's just tremendous to me to listen to a man's testimony that has surrendered his life now mm-hmm. to this beautiful thing called the church. Yeah. Now on the mission field, bringing people into the knowledge of Christ, but man, he, his life was totally surrendered. What, what is his quote, right? It's uh someone says, why would you want to go to the cannibals and uh, let them kill you and eat you? And he says, well, I've either die, be buried and eaten by worms, or I get eaten by cannibals. Yeah, what does it matter. Good. Right. Good. So, uh, I'll read that one though. <laughs> yeah, you will when you yeah. get to that point. That's right. So it's, gotta, it's, that's watch. a, that is a fantastic book. And again, his testimony just kind of helps us see the commitment as a result of the beauty right. of the church. A proper response. Absolutely. Yeah. A proper response mm-hmm. to the church.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so that's tell good. us
1: about it. Other than the Hunger Games.
0: Uh, so yeah, I just, <laughs> I did, I just did finish the Hunger Games about two weeks ago. <laughs> hadn't read them. Uh, watched a little bit of the first movie. Didn't really uh, get it. Uh, and so I went back and read the books. They're good. It's good books. Good books. Yeah. I was glad I read them. Um, but I just finished Tom Brokaw's The Greatest Generation. All right. Uh, man, you know, that's a common household book. I sure. think you probably find it about any thrift store that you go into. Uh, it was a good book. Uh, yeah, it started you bought out, it at the thrift store? I did buy it at the thrift How store. Much? Uh, I'm going paid 25 cents. I don't yeah, know. There you go. Actually, it was a hardback, probably a dollar. <laughs> um, but I finished it, started out really strong. And I tell you what, it helped me to really understand part of the reason why I read it. Um, because one, I like reading and two, because it helped me, helps me to understand some of my older members. Now yeah. they're not in that greatest generation, but they were raised by that greatest generation. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at uh, 75, 80 year olds. How do they feel about uh, America? How do they feel about patriotism? Yeah. How do they feel about some of these things? And, uh, man, it's easy to feel that way when, when your dad growing up, uh, had three fingers cut off by the Germans and, yeah. you know, and, and part of the good thing about the book is, uh, Brokop does a really good job at not covering up the shame that America had at that time. Mm. You know, it's not a, uh, it's not a how great America was back then. It was, yeah. we have a shame. We, we had uh, blatant racism. We had, uh, some failures when it came to, uh, how we treated Japanese citizens. And, yeah. uh, so it was, it was a really good book. And then I just started a book called Prisoners of Geography. That um, sounds really good. Man, something I would never pick <laughs> up, right? Uh but it is fascinating. 10 maps that tell you everything you need to know about the world. That sounds terrible. Uh man, let me tell you, it is awesome. I mean, so far I'm five chapters into it. Yeah. And it is worth the read. Uh explaining how Russia became Russia and why Russia is not going to be a superpower. You know why? No, I do not. Don't have warm water. <laughs> Their their ports are frozen over four months out of the year. Yeah, that's um, terrible. Yeah, it's it's it sounds. You should have stuck to the Hunger Games. Man, let me tell you, it sounds bad, but it is awesome. Good uh, stuff. New York Times bestseller, I believe. Really? Uh, maybe I'm making that up. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's good. Um, but more so than reading, more so than reading, and though we believe in reading, my name, yeah. my last name is Reed. So yeah, he you know, is. Yeah. Um, more than that, we believe that the church is grown and affected by the preached word.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, what
0: absolutely. are you preaching?
1: I and right now I'm preaching a series, a topical series. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to get a new podcast next. <laughs> Yeah. On deacon ministry. Deacon ministry. This is the type. This is the time of year that we do. We select, elect, nominate our deacons, mm-hmm. and so I uh, spent last week in Acts chapter six, mm-hmm. and uh, the next couple of weeks in Timothy, of course, talking okay. about those qualifications and. Uh, you know, drawing that connection from Acts 6 to Timothy. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah. And then, and then, uh, the Timothy qualification. So what, what about you? What you, what are you? uh, I'm just
0: not preaching. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'll be gone. You've this been Sunday, in Matthew so, for the 364th uh, no, Sunday. No, I am not in Matthew right now. <laughs> uh, I took a break for the summer, uh, to do summer Psalms. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, some Psalms are in this series, some are not. Yeah. I, yeah. Um. <laughs> So, uh, I started with Psalm 95, and, and I'm gradually making it up to Psalm 100. Just uh, all these psalms talk about the grandeur of God and mm-hmm. worshiping Him. And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, this Sunday, I am going to be out. So, Lord willing, after I get back, we'll start Psalm 98. Yeah, um, yeah. That'll take us through the summer. Um, I just so, think, where are you going pick up in August? I'll pick up in August back with Matthew. Matthew, <laughs> Um uh just finished Matthew chapter nine, beginning Matthew chapter ten. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I can carry out Matthew until uh until the birth narratives and Christmas time and uh um, yeah. you know, I'll probably start look try something else, you know. We'll see. We'll see. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well right. no matter where you're reading, you see the beauty of the church, right? That's right, that's right. <laughs> You like that? I like that. I like that. You brought it all around. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that, that that's going to about wrap up our time today. We hope that you enjoyed the Imperfect Church podcast. We'll see you next time. Until we meet again or until the church is perfected in glory.